When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I have with me Brittany Spanos and Andy Green from Rolling Stone. Hey, guys. Hey, Brian. Hey. Within a couple minutes, we're going to have um, <laughs> Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy uh, calling in to talk about Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, because I was trying to think, I was like, how can we make this music show... Uh, about Star Wars for half an hour. And I was like, the, you know what, if we got a rock star to call in. Yeah, and he's the perfect guy. I've interviewed Pete a lot, and I've never talked to a rock star more in touch, you know, like, that was more pop culture savvy than Pete Wentz. Well, it's interesting. I mean, Fall Out Boy, we were, we were arguing, Andy, whether it's an obscure reference or not, but the very name Fall Out Boy is, of course, from The Simpsons. Uh, the Simpsons yeah, and, and I would say this qualifies uh, as obscure. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's explain what Fall Out Boy is. There's a comic book character on The Simpsons that's named Radioactive Man, and his sidekick is Fall Out Boy. And to me, that's a well-known thing because I've seen The Simpsons so many times. But I guess to most people, it's it's a pretty obscure thing. Brittany, obscure or not obscure? Um, as a super follow-up boy fan, I knew that. <laughs> okay. okay, but do you think? Okay, do you think the world? Do you, I, it's not so much the fact that Fall Out Boy is named after that, but the the character of Fall Out Boy within the Simpsons. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I believe we have Pete Wentz on the line. Pete. Hello. Yo. Welcome. How you doing? How are you? Good. Good. Um, Pete, we have uh, Andy Green, who you know here. Hi, Pete. Yes. And uh, and Brittany Good. Spanos, who, who's uh, been a, a Fall Out Boy fan for a long time, I think. <laughs> Hi. Oh, nice. Excellent. Cool. Um, cool. Um, so, yeah, so as I was saying, we had, we had to figure out how to make this music show about Star Wars for half an hour, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> 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 I, we found the key. It is Pete Wentz. Um, All right. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you been up to today, Pete? Today, I well, I actually went to uh, I went to Rogue One again last night. Got <laughs> up. I went and I got. It was like ended at one thirty, and then I had to take my kid to school this morning. So I'm like pretty brutally shattered. <laughs> you're, you're you're experiencing a, a Star Wars hangover, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's so rock and roll, so punk rock. Um, I don't know, by the way, if I can be like a fully a Star Wars expert because. I have like a lot of controversial opinions about the the franchise in general. I think maybe Contro- like controversy is good. I was hoping for. I was hoping you know maybe we can find some points of disagreement. That's always fun. Um, and the other good. thing, the other thing is we, we have we have everyone in this room is begging us not to spoil the movie because I, I saw it on Monday. Uh, Pete, you probably saw it Sunday at the premiere, right? At uh, yes, we can discuss it in a non spoilery way. I yeah. think yes, Please. probably yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. Be- yeah uh, um, our, our engineer Matt is like is giving the thumbs up. He's begging us. <laughs> He's wearing an R two D two shirt uh, today. So for real. So <laughs> so we're all yes. Right, all right. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we can do that. So, um, <clears throat> well, I, I actually would take a step back and and be, you know, how important is uh, Star Wars in general to you and and really to your entire band? 
I mean, I think that start. Well, first of all, we're like four really disparate people. Like we, I think that like when we end up on like red carpets together at like pop radio shows, we make sense. But like when we really get down to it, like we really we don't agree on most stuff, you know. Mm. Um, and Star Wars and cinema in general is the kind of where we come together. <laughs> but I think that Star Wars like really informs us and our band. Like I think about that. Um, that cave of evil scene uh, with <laughs> Luke and, and 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 Yoda. I think that's probably on, on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis, because it's just such a, like like you only need what you you like you only you only bring what you you know like what you take into the cave is 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 what ends up in the cave. You know, and it's like such a like good metaphor for life. It feels like is the cave yeah, is really the cave the, is the cave the recording studio then really? <laughs> Definitely, but you bring a lot of stuff to the recording studio. <laughs> a lot of unnecessary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's true. Empire, it's interesting because I interviewed uh, Lawrence Kasdan last year when I got to do a Rolling Stones cover story for uh, Force Awakens, which was pretty much the most awesome thing I've ever gotten to do. Um, and, uh, and, and talking to Lawrence Kasdan, who, of course, um, helped write Empire Strikes Back, it's like, do you realize he's basically, because he basically is Yoda, right? He wrote all that stuff that, right. <laughs> that Yoda said that many of us grew up on and basically took on as our our, our, our de facto religion, right? You know, so. Totally. And it's like, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's super philosophical, but like jammed into this like space opera, you know? And, and you don't even know that you're like kind of taking that all in. Yeah, I think it like so much of that, uh, I don't know, like informs who, you know, I am as a person. The, a lot of, I've heard like, metal artists in particular and you guys have have your riffs uh talk about like the empire strikes back theme song as being kind of an inspiration for heavy riffage what do you think about that oh yeah man you can hear that in in i don't know like everything from like flare yeah you can hear it all over the place i think that the the score in general especially the the first three you know that the the original trilogy is insane like took like that kind of scoring to a completely other level because it's so musical but so memorable at the same time which i have to say also by the way is one of the things that and this is not spoiler at all is that i love the score from rogue one after seeing it again for a second time yesterday thought it was so great and i was a little bit worried because it was not a williams score yeah it finally, it's it's actually really cool it's, it, it feels a little bit at times like not quite a remix of what John Williams did, but like, I don't know. But you know what I mean? It would, it would start, he did a cool thing, uh, the composer, where he would start with the first bits of a John Williams theme and then just like twist it into another place, which is kind of awesome. You know what I mean? Totally epic. I was like, you know, like, and it was one of those things that, uh, that I think is really hard and I wrote about this on Twitter, but it's really hard to, 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 like, where you remind people of what they loved about it. And we're talking about, like, across, like, 40 years, you know, of, of, of this, and you remind people about what they, or 50 years, you know, you remind people about what they loved about it, but at the same time, it's something brand new, you know, and it's like, that's super hard to thread that needle, and I think, that, like, with the score, they did an excellent job of that. 
Um, it, it's funny to jump back for a minute. I still have not seen the Ewoks movie that you've been trying to get me to see for like a decade. Um, tell, really? tell me about yeah. <laughs> tell, <laughs> I, I, I may tell tell me, and this is how I knew. This is uh, one of the ways I knew that that you know you, you were uh, uh, among my brethren because uh, you were recommending <laughs> something so deep in the Star Wars world that I I, I, I still have not seen. So tell me about this. The is it the there's two Ewoks movies. Which one is the two good Ewoks one? Movies. Yeah, yeah. Well. I don't know. I think that most people would say there there is no good one. <laughs> I, I, I love both of them. I was, you know, I was uh, as a as a true like youth, you know, like you know, uh, free teenage. I was like just obsessed with Star Wars. And this is before like everyone has to think about this. This is like before the internet. And you couldn't just go like on YouTube and look at stuff. So I had all the all the Star Wars had like you know like I taped them off TV on VHS cassettes, and they like had all the you know, like terrible but amazing commercials in them, um, <laughs> and, and and like all the like you know like the cast throwing the commercial and like Merry Christmas. But I I, I saw the the Ewoks TV specials, you know, and there was uh, Battle for Endor and Caravan of Courage, and <laughs> one of them has like this. <laughs> it takes place on the you know the on, on Endor, and it's just the Ewoks and like. Uh, the principal from uh, Breakfast Club is in. <laughs> so it's so great. And so, like, it's one of those things where if you're, like, a true Star Wars fan, I would definitely uh, recommend watching. And it's also really good for, uh, you know what, there's, like, some actually terrifying parts in them. But um, but I, I think kids would like them. Um, yeah, it's awesome. There's one that's got a giant in it, and the other one's got this, like, witch that can turn into a bird. And he's like... I don't know. There's all these references in those in those films that like also blew my mind as a kid. Where I was like, "Well, how come there's horses in this one?" And like, there's like definitely no horses in like the Star Wars extended universe. Like, there's all these like little moments where like I think Star Wars got too big too fast. Yeah, and they were like just like anyone that gets too big too fast, you get all these weird offers, and people are like, "I don't know, make a Ewok special." And they're like, "Well, we don't have enough, you know, creatures." And they're like, "Horses, they sound great." <laughs> you know, it's like what. It, it's sort of like a, a band agreeing to play some like corporate concert they later regret or something like that. It's, oh, it's like the, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, or like you make a, an appearance in some movie and you're like, I don't even think this will even matter. And then it's like, it really does matter. <laughs> <laughs> and so tell me about your, your uh, what are your most controversial Star Wars opinions, Pete Wentz? I think, okay, so I'll start with like the one that's not probably as controversial. My favorite of the original trilogy is uh, is Return of the Jedi. And I don't Whoa. really know why that is. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I know that it's like everyone else's empire. But something about Return of the Jedi, there's something about, um, like, getting the gang back together. Uh, and I don't know. There's, like, there's a lot of... Like, I love that, like, Lando, like, actually gets to be, like, part of, you know, like, the Rebel Alliance. And I don't know. Yeah, there's, like, a lot about that movie that I that I liked and maybe it was when it hit me as a kid or whatever but yeah that's like a it's like the same thing like Master Pup is my favorite Metallica record not Ride the Lightning 
Right. Or, or injustice, I'm sorry, um, which is like most people, I guess. But yeah, so that that would be my first controversial opinion, I know. I like the idea of Master of Puppets being the return of the Jedi of, of Metallica albums. It's, it kind of has that thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, I don't know, I think some of the 90s Metallica albums are like have the equivalent of Ewoks on them. I don't know, I think maybe that's more, but Ewoks. anyway, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I feel like we maybe end up like end up in like Jar Jar territory a little bit. Uh, um <laughs> But then I, I would say my other one, and, and I saw some of the stuff that you were writing about it, but my other one is like, the prequels are not that bad. There's right. a lot of really good stuff in the prequels. And like, the problem is, is it's like, it was like front loaded with like the little kid and Jar Jar. So people just turned off for the rest of it. But I mean, um, <laughs> like Ben Kenobi in the prequels is like maybe better than Ben Kenobi in the original trilogy. Like he plays them. It's like crazy how good he is. Bill McGregor. It's, if he doesn't get a standalone movie, it's like a crime against Star Wars. I think he will. And by the way, you should see the look on Andy Green's face when you said that. By the way, Andy Green does, feels feels strongly about about this. Apparently, no, no, I am amused by it. No, he's no, amused. Okay, no, I, I am a prequels fan. Okay, I, I, I thought I you were offended. I thought you were offended by the Ben Kenobi. No, 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 no. Okay, no, okay. No. I, you were just amused. Okay, I, I, okay. I was okay. amused but, by it, and he's right. Yeah. I well, my, here's my. Th- I mean, you know, I think the Phantom Menace is pretty hard to defend. Although there's parts. Um, you know, there's parts that I'll defend it. And then I, then I do, I think the problem is this, from my perspective, is the highs of the second two prequels are really high and the lows remain really low. And, and the, you know, and I think Natalie Portman's decision to basically boycott the movies while still being there. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, and like she, she just, she's like, again, not to make a mute, she's like the member of the band who really wants to leave the band, but, but doesn't. And so just like. Totally. Like, like is super yeah. sullen throughout, but yeah. there's Hayden Christensen also, which yeah. really sinks them in my mind. Yeah, not not the greatest performance in the history of cinema. Those, those two were, you know, and the, I mean the other thing, Pete. Do you know that? Did you ever watch the documentary um, of the making of Phantom Menace? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Oh my God! You have to watch it. it it's very. Okay. This is my moment. That you, you see the moment when Lucas miscasts the kid. He he's oh, like no. he's like this one kid's really good, but this other one I don't know he's got some. I mean he can't really act, but you know I can cut it together. And it was like no, don't. It's like the dark. Yeah. It's like the moment yeah. they go to the dark side. You can see it, it. It's the whole thing goes wrong in that moment. But I mean anyway, I, I can yeah I can see the prequels, but the prequels have a little bit of a like um uh like Michael Jackson like where you get so big and then you're like. You stop, like, the opposite of The Force Awakens, which feels kind of like a movie made by committee. Like, the prequels feel like a movie where it's just like, I know what Star Wars is. I'm going to make it the way, you know, and, and, like, in a very steep Jobsian way, like, where it's like, you don't even know what you want. Like, I'm going to give you this thing, <laughs> right. and you're going to like it, and you don't even know that you're going to like it. And then, like, when people were like, we really don't like it, it was, like, <laughs> almost like, rather than adjusting, it was like, like they dug in or he dug in or something, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I would say that, that Hayden Christensen in, um, in the lava um, yeah. scene and in that movie kind of in general where, because I actually read about what they were saying and they were like, he's kind of like he's the best Jedi in the universe and he like, he becomes like lazy because of it and if you see like the way he like kind of like walks around and his posture and the way he fights, he just like doesn't, he like can kill everybody so he just doesn't kind of care you know, and I think that. So he was like, it, he's like Eddie, he's like Eddie Van Halen in the early two thousands. He's just too good. <laughs> too <laughs> good. Go on. Yeah. No competition. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that like the other thing is is, is like 
they spent this whole movie on like this little kid and you know like you know what how did he feel this way and well, how did he get attached to Natalie Portman and then they like raced all this other development of his actual character when he's like an adult and when you're like this is probably when he like actually like loses his mind and stuff and they like race through that which is unfortunate and then there's like so much of like the senate and you're like (laughs) the crazy part is if you read like original scripts for like the the trilogy there's so much senate stuff in there and somebody (laughs) cut it out somebody was like nah this is like a terrible movie and 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 that's where i can see like you're like where i'm like like who cares cares about this like the procedures like of real our real life world you know what i'm saying like no one cares about the senate in our in our in in, in america but here's you know, the, so here's, why would they care about it you know but here's the crazy thing right it's like lucas in some ways i'm afraid i'm a little bit afraid that over the next few years that events in america are going to play out exactly as they did in the galactic senate where it's like there's going to oh. be some jar jar who's like i misa vote for emergency powers and then and then we're just like just, <laughs> like just, right, right, right forever like like <laughs> Right. I mean, how I mean, in a way, Lucas seemed to be L- Lucas was concerned with these issues before people thought they were like an, a possible issue in America. Right. It's kind of funny. It's prescient. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely think that like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. He just like I went to we went to, we went to go to the Skywalker Ranch years ago. Yeah. And who do you think is the do you know who the character is that greets you when you enter? Is it Jar Jar? It's Jar Jar. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a weird, you know? I have a weird soft spot for Jar Jar. I have to admit it. That's my controversial opinion. It's like just a little, um, you know. No way. No, it's I went, horrible. I once had, a, you know. There's also the argument that that there's also the argument that that, that Jar Jar is racist as a character, which is interesting because I once had a it, it, talking to Star Wars, talking about Star Wars with musicians. It's something I've been doing for a long time, apparently. Because I remember right. I had a long discussion with uh, Riza about this, and Riza right. made a very powerful dis- uh, argument that that Jar Jar was not. Racist, uh, and, and anyway, but it's, yeah, it's, but the guy that owns Anakin was like a Jewish stereotype. Yes, well, it's not. Yes, the, there's some problems. There, that, that there's some. He's there's, a fly with a big nose. It was horrible. There, the accent. There's there's, there's some problems in, in the Star. Listen, the Star Wars universe is not immune to the problems of our own. Um, no. So I figure we'll, we'll maybe we'll actually talk about Rogue One for a second. Um, so it's it's an inter- You know what, what struck me is they. Um, they were very reluctant to call this what it is, which is a prequel, <laughs> right? right? It is a prequel, but that that word is dangerous in the because uh, I think Brittany was you were asking like what is Rogue One? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So it, it's <laughs> it's a prequel. It takes it's it takes place right before um, before the the first Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, as it's known, the nineteen seventy seven movie. Um, so, but what 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 surprised you, I guess, Pete, about about Rogue One? What what surprised you most? Um. I think well, the thing that surprised me most is unfortunately my 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 biggest problem with the film was um, the heavy use of CGI humans. Um, yeah, that seemed to bug some people. Of, of, yeah, of one yeah one or two characters. It was just like I was I was really surprised that that kind of um, made it through. But in general, I was I mean it was it was like. Yeah, it was crazy because I feel like if Force Awakens was like a movie that was made for my eight-year-old, like this is definitely a movie who was made for that was made for like diehard um, yeah. original trilogy fans, which is really cool. And the, you know, the other thing that surprised me actually was I remember you know like Gareth was saying, this is not like the other Star Wars are are basically told through the through the prism or through the view of 
Jedi, and this is not. Like, this is not, so, like, it's going to be a war movie, and it's going to feel like a war movie. And I was like, well, it really does. Like, it's like, in, in, um, in kind of, like, the emotional nature and this, the, the, the whole nature of conflict, it's like a really complex Star Wars movie, I think. I agree. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, I, I really liked it, I recognized some flaws. Um, I think that the third act uh, is really where it just kicks up. And I was like, the third act is one of the best, like, standalone acts in any Star Wars movie by far. It's really great, I thought, you know? With For a, sure. An amazing space battle and a lot of surprises. And it just, like, and it's also, I was actually talking with Peter Travers, our, our film critic, about this. It's like, nowadays, bar genre, just across the board, movies have a real problem with their third acts. So a lot of times, that's where the movie falls apart. Um, but but in totally. this one... Or they try to cram too much in. Yeah. And I think it works, too much works in this movie, because everyone basically knows how it ends. So it's right. like, like, you know, like it, when I was like, oh, there's like 30 minutes left. I'm like, well, you know where they got to get to. So we just got to figure out how they kind of, how they get there. Right. Which, which is I, an interesting, right? I mean, like, that's hard. Like, that's got to be impossible as a director or a writer to write, like write a movie where like everyone basically knows how the movie ends. Right. And, you know, it, it can't end good for a lot of people. So, like, that's a <laughs> tough movie to write. Well, you know, I was thinking about it. I was thinking, you know, I think the way for people like us who grew up on it, it's basically as if these events actually happen. And there's like all right. these. So it's sort of like a historical film. Like, like it's like it's oh, like for sure. <laughs> it's like a movie about Pearl Harbor or, or the Titanic or something because it's or like, you know, right before Pearl Harbor, right before, the, you know, the, like, you know how it ends. But that doesn't matter. There's still a tremendous amount of drama, you know. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> On some level, that's I mean, it's insane, an, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's an, an I mean, it's an insane movie. The locations are insane. I mean, I think that just about you know. Um, I mean, here's the thing that I think about. You know, sometimes because it's like I was a you know one of those people who like I can pick apart you know Star Wars films, and I had like some like you know issues with Force Awakens. There's yeah. a part of me that like knows that if you told me when I was you know, 14, 13, that I get to see a Star Wars movie, a new Star Wars movie every year would, like, punch me in the face for having this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. that's pretty crazy, you know? And, like, and I'm talking about pretty good movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are, like, pretty good. Like, we pick them apart and they're, like, in an insane way. Right. Right, and what you were saying, I mean, it, it's is the maybe the world doesn't deserve a Star Wars movie every year because it, it does feel like... I sensed, uh, you know, in, in, I sensed, I sensed a disturbance in the critics. I sensed a disturbance. <laughs> I sensed, there were some critics who were just, they're just, listen, th there may not be Star Wars fans. They also, for them, this is just another, like, sort of corporate imposition on the pure cinema that they like. And they only see the sort of corporate exploitation. And they come into this, like, already, I think, pissed off. <laughs> and then, and then they, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. It's a different kind of... I mean, of... it's unfortunate because, like, yeah, I mean, like, you clearly, like, need, like, this corporate thing to move something that's such a... And, like, this is, like, talking from a guy who plays in a, like, in a pop band that's, like, a pop rock band. So, like, there's clearly <laughs> some, like, corporate heavy lifting that needs to be done because this is, like, a giant, you know, brand or idea. But, like, I feel like at its core, it's always, really always... And it's missed the mark a couple times in this, but at its core, it's always been about storytelling and trying to tell these great stories, and they really do. Like you definitely don't need to make Rogue One. I think you like you you could make come out with Young Han Solo first. You could like this is a movie that like you don't need to make. And there's so many ways to potentially mess it up that like I you know like it's like if it if they had not made it it would have made it would have been you know I'd be like that makes sense to me. But 
I think making it anyway and making it uh, with so many nods back, but like not in um, not in a goofy way. Like there's just throwbacks, but like they're they're ones that I think are tasteful. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, you know, that's a, a, a difficult movie to make, and I'm glad that it was made. That, yeah, there were there were some on a on a pure geek level. There were some things I'm not going to say it, Andy. But there was some. There was one thing, for <laughs> for example, and, and Pete, you you may or may not be the have gotten this level of super nerdy. There's one thing that is based on very early concept art that was never used. Did you catch this? I'll tell you later what it was. Yeah, it, it's the okay. it's the exact Ralph McQuarrie concept art for a certain location that was supposed to be in, uh, and, and it, it's, it's. I think I know the location. Yeah, I think you do. And it, yeah. and so when sick. I saw it, I nearly fell out of my seat because that was like, I mean, there, there, there's not a lot of people who are so insanely nerdy as to recognize that. And I was like, oh, I mean, right. I, I was, you know, but it, I mean, I want to get. I like the comparison of being in sort of a pop rock band and making a Star Wars movie because one of the things I like is this idea of, you know, making a pop song and smuggling art and love and craft and personality into it is not that different, right, from making a Star Wars movie and totally. doing the same. Totally. And, like, on one hand, they have to, like, super serve this fan base that has been angry at them since the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> like Ewoks playing on the Stormtrooper helmets in Return of the Jedi. They have to, like, super serve this base because, like, that base is, like, you know, goes to Comic-Con and is, like, arguing with their Hans shot first and like all this like, crazy stuff you know whereas um there's also this larger like if they want the star wars universe to keep going with like you know like this new generation of kids they have to like make a big film you know like a film that 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 measures against other big films in pop culture right now and i think that it's 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 interesting because you know like you're always going to have that core group like be pissed, but they and they part of them like likes being pissed, but they'll you know come back to it. Right, and this is um, true, this is true of know? being a band too, right? I mean, I, I can sense the parallel. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, I think that you wanna you wanna make you you wanna keep your like like it's important for your fans to be happy, but I think that you need to take people on new journeys and go to new places. And you know, like I thought, like I mean. It's great. I think that the way that they, um, the way they treat the force in this film is so interesting and really makes sense for Ben Kenobi in um, in A New Hope to be, you know, like kind of like in exile. You know, like it really yeah. all adds up. You know, and I thought that was so. It's so interesting because I never would have like you know I never would have thought about it like that way. And I think that that's the thing that can be powerful about when you get. Like when you get the recipe right as a you know a, a pop artist that does kind of sideways things, when you get it right, it's really great and really makes people think in a in a completely you know other way. Um, then again, there's like times when you when you you maybe like don't get it right and you say like you have a kid you know yelling yippee while he goes through space or whatever. You know, <laughs> that's just the nature of making it. You know. <laughs> Um, totally, and I, I do, you know, and it, it's but the and the nice thing again about doing a pop song or doing a pop movie is you do get to speak to a mass audience, and, and sometimes you can smuggle great stuff in there, you know. I mean, there is great stuff in Rogue One. Like the dialogue is off the charts. I mean, whether you are relating it to the world we're in right now or not, it's just. I mean, I, I I was blown away, and going back to it, uh, so I, I got to see it once last week, and then going back to it last night is, it's just a fantastic film, you know. Um, and I'm like a person who's definitely like I will tear this apart, you know. Um, but 
it, it's just really interesting. And I think they made like they made some like clever choices that probably on paper aren't you know like or harder to do. You know, I think that 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 droid. What is it? K. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't have it yet. Um, but yes, yeah, the the the, the kind of he, bitchy, he, totally bitchy droid. This is yeah, like, yeah, and the guy who plays him is like the guy from like the pirate from Dodgeball. You know, like I don't know. Huh. Like it's like on paper, like maybe it's like kind of odd, but like I really, I was like. This is like a throwback to the trilogy, but like a throw forward at the same time. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Andy has something. Yeah. So, Pete, so just tell me your dream future Star Wars movies that you want to see them make in the next 10 years, let's say. <laughs> dream future Star Wars movies. I would love to see um standalone Obi-Wan movie. Uh, yes. Is that with Ewan McGregor? With Ewan McGregor. I think that would be awesome. I don't really i'm not like really in on the hot movie um but maybe it'll be awesome i think that's like again a really hard movie to make i feel like harrison ford is like this like character that's like beyond like he's like han solo and indiana like and like these guys like all mixed together and it's like gonna be that one's gonna be really hard to do um to me um i would love to to see uh what are they talking about? Boba Fett movie? That could be cool. Yeah. I think that could be awesome. And like maybe that's a chance to like kind of because I feel like he kind of got like had a got a weird thing in the prequels. I kind of was like, wait, what is happening? You know? And maybe there's there's a chance to kind of like move <laughs> move some stuff around. I actually, and this is probably another controversial opinion. I would like to see um, uh, 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 the. The Knights of Ren, a Knights of Ren movie, which I know that that Abrams talked about a little bit. First I think all, that, first, that could be really cool. First, I don't we, know. first, we have to find out what the hell that was. But yes, right, <laughs> like, totally. Yeah. And and that's like what I'm like. I'm like, you know, like I don't know. I I relate. I I like related to like the Kylo Ren because he's not like terrifying. You know what I'm saying? Like this is like pure angst. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, this is like the the teenage. Lord, you know, like it's like. Well, of course, the, the you know, there's a emo Kylo Ren thing. That's a that totally. Is, <laughs> somehow, <makes> somehow, <laughs> somehow, somehow, this may have been all your fault. Uh, just like in Spider Man Three, uh, <laughs> no, Spider Man Three was literally oh my god, a whole other a whole other radio show. <laughs> yes, there there was yes. Yeah, so going way back, but there what was are, like a weird emo, <laughs> quote unquote emo Tobey Maguire thing in, in Spider Man Three, who had Pete's haircut at the time. It was a, you can, a strange you can thing. Definitely, yeah, you can definitely see like the corporate pitch on that one. Like I was, they were like, "This thing's big right now. Let's do it." Um, what are the What are other films that are are in talks? What are movies that you guys uh, want to see? I think I, I mean I, I think there's it becomes harder and harder. I don't. I, my, I will say my favorite. I was going to say that my favorite thing is I once talked to Kevin Smith. Uh, I did a story like right when they announced that Disney's going to do this, and I talked to Kevin Smith about what he would do, and he went on. He was super high, of course, as Kevin Smith is these days, and went on this like riff <laughs> that I really have to look up. But it's basically like Boba Fett uh, time, travels through time, and he's like, <laughs> and he revisits all the moments of the original trilogy, and he's like, oh my god, don't kiss your sister, and it's like crazy, and then he finds it, and it just like it was like that. I want to see that movie, to be honest. I, I want to see the, uh, but but. <laughs> but like the most Kevin Smith Star Wars movie of all time. Yeah, it was. It, all right, and <laughs> I was they, yeah. saying that they're going to do one a year now, and, yeah. and, and, and that's forever. Yeah. So there's a lot to come. I 
worried that they're going to eventually start to run out of ideas or get really crazy with them. It would be cool to do. It would be cool if they got to the point where it was like a full on comedy. Like, but it was, a, but it was, a, but, a, but it was a really funny comedy yeah. that somehow works in the world. Then the big question is that after this trilogy is done, do they start? another trilogy yeah or do they just do standalones for a while do they do sequels to the standalones <laughs> it's it's a bit it's a big I, question yeah Pete. i think that the that this is like the example and it's like a thing that i've talked to people about bands and stuff where the way technology is now and the way corporations see it like this is forever like star wars forever now you know until until it gets so bad that it has to be buried and then like dug up you know like which is like <laughs> Like where I'm like, is like Kiss going to be a band forever? Because like you could just do it forever now. Like if someone buys the thing, and then they do holograms or you do spinoffs or whatever it is, like you can just have things go on forever now, right? Yeah, I mean they've already got, I guess, the equivalent of holograms in in, in Kiss, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? just, just like, living holograms with the makeup. Sorry, Gene and Paul, but yeah, yeah. I mean that's kind of not not you guys, those other guys, and they're nice guys. I've talked to those guys. They they, they have no illusions about what they are. Um, yeah, they're like I am CGI. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> Pete, but before but Pete, before we uh, let you go on with your day, uh, perhaps another screening of Rogue One. I don't know. Um, the the. Uh, 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 you you guys you guys are now deep into your your own sort of uh, comeback, and uh, yeah. fought by what what are you thinking for the next year? What are the plans? Where are you guys at? Well, we don't have anything on the books yet. Um, I think that the the thing that's great is well, I mean, we have one more record in our contract with our label. Um, not that that's great, but I think uh, <laughs> I mean it is great. But uh, uh, it's interesting because you can just do anything now, you know? I mean, since I really realized that after, like, we did this little EP with Ryan Adams, it was like yeah. all the songs that were just, you know, like, we wrote on the, you know, like, the day of and that that kind of thing. And it's like, as long as you're doing something that's authentic to you, people will give it a chance, you know? And, like, relating it back to our conversation, like, to me, that's what Rogue One is. Like, I don't know, it's like a weird, it's a weird pitch, you know? Like, it's like, here's a movie about, like, you know, that's, like this like mini prequel and like probably everyone's kind of got to die except for the couple people you know that don't die hmm. um let's make this movie it's like wow that's like this you know like and like it's gonna be like stormtroopers in like the bahamas kind <laughs> of like it's like that's a weird pitch for a movie but you know what like kind of works and like you can tell that 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 people poured their their heart and kind of soul into the thing um and I think that that's important. So I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, to jump completely off topic, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. I think it'll be new music, but does it come as like an album? I don't know. Like maybe, or like, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll score this Star Wars comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I, I would do, if I had the power to recommend that, I would, that would be fantastic. Um, sure. but, but yeah, man, listen, uh, Pete, thanks so much for being with us. That was an extremely fun diversion and, and happy holidays and uh, always, yeah. always great to hear from you. And this Christmas, no matter what, don't forget that the Star Wars holiday special was made. <laughs> um, uh, that that a message for the world. I didn't know what you were going to say, but, yeah. that, but <laughs> um, I promise you, if you look at that, if you see anything from that, you will have a Christmas from me. You will you will have a laugh. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Pete. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Brian Hyatt, and you're listening to Rolling Stone Music Now. 
Uh, I have with me Andy Green and Brittany Spanos from Rolling Stone. Hi there. Hello hey. again, guys. Um, we were just talking to uh, Pete Wentz about Star Wars, which is awesome. And now we're going to switch gears radically. And I, I almost I didn't want to take too much of Pete's time. I thought about asking him to stay for this, but I didn't want to bug him. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about... Kanye and Donald Trump. Um, it feels like this. For all we know, this could be a weekly segment, giving yeah. how, it, how it's going. Yeah, um, but you know, so Kanye, uh, as we discussed on a previous episode, we should almost have we should have like a theme music for the what the hell is wrong with Kanye segment. But <laughs> but I mean, Kanye so ranted about Trump on stage and basically endorsed him, although he said he didn't vote, uh, and then was unfortunately like basically like hospitalized. And then promptly got out of the hospital and, and instead of being like, guys, I was really out of my head a little bit, I said some things about Donald Trump that of course I don't, blah, blah, blah. Instead he like tripled down and shows up at Trump Tower with Donald Trump. Yeah. And, and of course the crazy thing is the reporters are watching who enters Trump Tower because most of the people who enter are possible candidates for government office and who walks in but Kanye West and when I saw it on Twitter I was like this is they're just screwing with us because it's like you know Kanye's not going to be Secretary of Education or whatever um, but there he was so what do we make of this I mean it was fascinating that that was the first especially the way that affected Kanye's fandom and the way people kind of saw him before the hospital hospitalization and all that um it was interesting that that's his first public appearance after yeah to say the least I mean um that was just so extreme for him to show up he has new hair like everyone's just like what's going on with Kanye and he goes straight to Trump Tower um (laughs) and he talked he didn't really speak at all after he left was leaving they had all the press there and like him and Trump were posing for pictures together. He wouldn't talk about it really, but he kind of talked about how they were discussing Chicago and multicultural issues. And he had a signed copy of time magazine that he posted on Twitter that Trump had said to uh, like, you're a great friend or something. So I'm interested to know what their history is and what, they, did they even really know each other before? Or is this sort of like so. absolutely? So here, here's I, I think some context they can provide on the friend issue, given like what I've read. And, and actually, I was talking to um, our reporter who profiled Donald Trump. Donald Trump has an interesting definition of friend. Mm-hmm. Friend is someone who was nice to him that day. <laughs> um, so no, I mean legitimately, like he doesn't really. Un- it's sort of like you know in the Social Network when they kind of suggest that the irony that the guy who invented friending people like doesn't really know what a friend is. It's I think the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't think there's any prior relationship I think he's just grateful that someone said yeah. something nice about him yeah. mm-hmm. I mean um, I, I can see the appeal for Trump to how many people of Kanye's stature are praising him at the moment that's yeah. part of that world in, in that's pop culture, cool yeah. in pop culture yeah. Yeah. it's like Kid Rock and Meatloaf or whatever <laughs> so to have Kanye saw kind of the biggest superstar on the planet almost praising him that's but what is Kanye thinking I think I he just wants to rile people up I mean and People were talking about his idea of talking about racism over the years, especially, um, I mean, with the Yeezus album and, I mean, his music in general. But he, it's interesting because as he's gotten more famous, fame is his biggest cause. Like, racism, when it affects him and when it stops him, like, Mm. is his biggest cause. So You mean racism, like, when it stops him from entering the highest levels of fashion industry? Yes, 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 exactly. Like, when it affects his celebrity. And so, to him, Donald Trump is this, like pivotal idea of like what celebrity is and like what um how celebrity almost kind of stopped him from getting in the white house but also helps him get into the white house and so that to him appeals to him i think that yeah 
I think he admires that Trump speaks his mind and doesn't give mm-hmm. a shit what people seem to be saying about him and just plows forward and is just relentless and is an open troll and an asshole and doesn't care. And those things I find I find about Trump to be just attestable. Well, but, uh, perhaps one of my favorite Kanye songs is Can't Tell Me Nothing. Yes. And um, like that is literally Donald Trump's attitude towards like intelligence briefings and like yeah. all other information. Right. Like, you can't tell him anything. <laughs> he saw some guy that wasn't playing by the rules that got tremendous power that's always covered by the press. The, the funny part is right now I don't know whether you're talking about Kanye <laughs> yeah. or Trump. And that's, that's, no, that I'm says talking it all. about yeah, yeah. why Kanye, why <laughs> right. I think that he admired Trump. Then to yeah. go there, it's like the whole world is watching this lobby, watching this tower. I'm going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's... I, I my my fear is that you know Kanye is is uh, deep in this feud with Beyonce and Jay Z. Right. Part of my fear is that he felt like well Jay Z and Beyonce Beyonce you had I just said Beyonce the way yeah. that um, Charlie Rose said it when I was yeah. on a show the other day, yeah. um, <laughs> which was very charming, but not when I do it. Um, the the um, I I think I think he was like Jay and Beyonce you have Obama. But look what I have. And if that's what he's thinking, oh boy. Well, and they were pro Hillary Clinton. They were at rallies for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and Clinton. Clinton. Yeah, right. I don't think Kanye thinks that deep into his views. I like, I kind of believe it, but I also think he just like genuinely doesn't think that deep into it. I think it's more of like of the moment, like this is the most contentious person I can align myself with. And in order to stir up this controversy, like this is what I can do. And the most powerful person I can be aligned with. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think the way that we're discussing this is much the way people discuss Trump's tweets. Like, is there a method to this madness or yeah. is it just madness? And, and I, just, I don't think we yeah. know. We I don't think it's know, all do madness. Yeah. It's yeah. so hard to get into the head of a raging, distraction. a raging narcissist and they're both that. <laughs> right. I, again, which one are you talking no, about? Yeah. No, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. both raging narcissists. So yeah. they try and get into what were they thinking at that moment. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's really something. So we're going to finish out today's show by talking about the Trump uh, inauguration and its performers or lack thereof. Um, who's the only performer they got is so far really is the uh, is the runner up to America's Got Talent, right, guys? Mm-hmm. What's yes. that person's name? Can we Jackie name? Avancho. Very good. Wow. Well, Sixteen. I could, I could yeah. not have pulled that out. And <laughs> the, the 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 funny thing, uh, I have to give props to uh, Jason Gilbert, uh, a writer who tweeted this, which is that there's a certain uh, it's certainly appropriate that the person who got the second most popular votes in American America's Got Talent is going to play the Trump inauguration. There's a certain poetry in that, but uh, you know, the, they're really reportedly having a great deal of difficulty getting like anyone super famous to play mm-hmm. this inauguration. Yeah. So what's gonna what, what's gonna happen? I mean, you can get people like Kid Rock. You can get Leonard Skinner. There's all sorts. You can get Lee Greenwood. There's all kinds of B-listers that are Republican that will do it. But to get real big mainstream talent will be a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are they just not going to? Or is someone gonna, someone's going to slip through? Kanye or somebody, right, is just going to suddenly do it? I mean, I think Andre Bocelli is still in the running. I think he's meeting with Trump soon. And that would make a lot of like very neutral sense, like an well, opera singer not from yeah, America. <laughs> we're talking about different events slightly. There's the actual presidential inauguration then there's all these parties that right. are around it's really it. the mm-hmm. parties like the, the inaugural right the inauguration itself it, it might have like like beyonce singing the anthem i believe happened uh a few years yeah. ago but but yeah yeah it, I, I mean the parties really right. just the events right i mean mm-hmm. it, they're, it, it, it's the actual inauguration is right. never a variety show i, I mean the sort of yeah. the events around it and yeah. performers that play those that can claim they're like look 
I didn't play for Trump. I played for the Texas League's party, whatever, you know. They I get- mean, but for, for Obama, um, in you know, I went to this... Ex- I was writing a YouTube cover yeah. story at the time, and they had this extraordinary concert a couple of days before the inauguration with... You too, Bruce Springsteen, James Taylor, and Pete Seeger, uh, Pete mm-hmm. Seeger, like I mean, it was it was one of the most right. moving and, and beautiful shows I've yeah. ever been to. Yeah. That's not going to uh, happen this time. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> the concert to make America great again. It's yeah. going to be yeah. It's, it, again, it's not a natural thing that the presidency is aligned with the pop culture, or it's not an automatic thing, right? right. It happens yeah. sometimes, I but mean, not. And we're talking yeah. about somebody who's only able to get Scott Baio at his convention you know yeah and i mean donald trump is very obviously largely associated with pop culture but he's not really associated with music in a lot of ways or in i mean there is like a trope in rap before you know his you know presidential run where he would be mentioned in songs but he wasn't really related to it i mean i think like george bush he was sort of related to country music because he was southern and he had like the heartland rock sort of fans in the right wing fake southern but go on fake southern yeah yeah. i mean like sort of like that he appealed to the sort of southern ethos of like very heartland like right wing musicians that he was able to get and so donald trump he's like from new york but also doesn't align himself with a certain level of new york or New York culture, right wing culture, Republican musical culture. Well, he likes, he loves classic rock, but all those guys yeah. hate him. They all hate like, him. He 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 uh, he he did. Andy would always see him at, at Neil Young concerts, as mm-hmm. we've discussed uh, a lot, and even Neil Young discussed on the show last <laughs> week. So we're just gonna keep bringing this fact up every week. Um, so, but yeah, Neil Neil Young is clearly not gonna play it. So it, it's gonna. I I think there's a lot. I think we'll keep talking about this because I'm very curious as to how. Not just the inauguration, but going forward, is there going to be something akin to a cultural boycott of the White House? Because there's all sorts of things. There's the Kennedy Center honors, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to be really interesting, I think. Yeah, and Obama, it seems like every like three months, there's some huge concert in the East Room with Stevie Wonder and Bob Dylan and all these people, yeah. but they're yeah. coming all the time. Yeah, I don't. it's not going to be like that. And, and to me, the I think one of the things that's going to reflect how accepted... Trump is as something close to a normal president is the extent to which the culture interacts with him. And I really think that if it keeps going the way it's going, you may have trouble to find finding people who will, you know, go to the Kennedy Center honors when it's Trump and uh, First Lady well, Ivanka. Well, that'll be yeah. crazy <laughs> if yeah. they get artists to decline the, their Kennedy Center honor. Because even like Streisand would go and it was Bush and stuff. I mean, stuff like that happened. Yeah, we'll we'll and, see one of the, sorry. Oh yeah, and also does he even care? Yes. Anyway, so this has been a Rolling Stone Music Now. We'll be back next Friday at 1 p.m. In the meantime, please go to rollingstone.com slash podcasts and download all of our episodes or do it wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for being here. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.